0: Warm welcome to the podcast from St. John's Church, Muxton, and St. Michael's Church, Lillishall, two churches in Shropshire on the northeastern side of Telford. My name is Matthew, and I'm the vicar, and I will be leading you through this next half an hour. During the half an hour, we'll have a chance to listen to some readings from the Bible, to hear them explained to us, and we will have the chance to pray together. Today, James Tagg, one of our team of preachers, will be looking at the theme of hope. From 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're looking forward to what he has to say. But before we do that, let's begin with a prayer the prayer for this, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Eternal God, as Mary waited for the birth of your Son, so we wait for his coming in glory. Bring us through the birth pangs of this present age to see with her our great salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now I'm going to hand over to James.
1: The trials and tribulations of life are something that we have all had at some point, or maybe having right now. Difficulties, challenges, temptations, perhaps in our places of work, our relationship with friends or loved ones, home life, school life. They can and do affect us all the time. Some of us may even feel that we just lurch from one trial to the next, forever being tossed around on the stormy seas of life and never finding the safety and calmness of a peaceful harbour. There will be someone, maybe many of us, who are facing these testing times this morning as we sit on our sofas or on a chair in church. Hopefully then, I'll be able to bring you some comfort and assurance this morning as we continue to look at our theme of hope and our reading in 1 Peter. Let's listen to that reading now to remind ourselves.
2: The first reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour,
1: We've already learnt a lot about the first chapter of this letter written by Peter, but it's worth recapping some of it to help those of us, not unlike myself, who have perhaps missed one or two of the sermons in our series. The letter starts with a familiar greeting, introducing us to the writer in much the same way as many of the letters and epistles start. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, by most standards, this shows the modesty of the writer, considering himself an apostle, like the rest of his fellow believers. However, we're not just talking about any apostle here. Peter is the second most mentioned person in the Gospel accounts, but I wonder who made it to number one. Any ideas who it might be? He's also the person that Jesus talks to the most in the Gospel He is the one who stood in front of the crowd of thousands on the day of Pentecost and preached one of the greatest sermons of all time, leading to thousands committing their lives to God and to follow Jesus' teachings and example. This was a man who was, by Jesus' side throughout his ministry, one of the three closest friends alongside John and James. Surely then, we are reading a letter that was not just written by any old apostle. Surely this letter should open with Peter, the Apostle of Jesus Christ. After all, no one questioned his status as an Apostle, unlike many who, at first, questioned Paul's position and status as an Apostle. So having established who the writer is, let's look briefly at who it's addressed to. Peter addresses the letter to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces, some versions of the Bible use the word pilgrims rather than exiles, but both have a similar meaning. Both are people who are temporary residents living in a foreign land, passing through somewhere on a greater journey. <clears throat> yes, in this letter, he's addressing those who are in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. But as with many of the letters, what was written to the Christians then echoes down through the years and is as relevant to us today as it was to those first early Christians. Peter's letter is one of encouragement, encouraging Christians who are suffering persecution or trials of their own in their exile in a foreign land. That although we may suffer in this life, we will not suffer in the next one. His purpose is to help them understand the gift of grace. So, we come to our first reading this morning. In verse 6, Peter is encouraging us to greatly rejoice, even if we are suffering in all kinds of trials. But why should we rejoice during our trials and temptations? What possible reason can we have to be happy when we are perhaps suffering such pain or misery? We can get further help on this by turning to another letter. This one written by James. Let's listen to our second reading this morning, taken from James chapter 1.
2: The second reading is from James 1, verses 1 to 18. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters You must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life, that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin Thanks be to God.
1: I once heard James described as the heavyweight boxer of the Bible, not pulling his punches when it came to instructing and guiding Christians in how to live and walk their Christian lives. Again, the beginning of our second reading follows much the same pattern as our first. James introduces himself to the readers of the letter. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, we see an interesting way of James describing his relationship with Christ, where Peter introduced himself as an apostle. James introduces himself as a servant. Translation from the original Greek doesn't really go far enough in the strength and depth of the relationship. You see, in the original Greek, the word James uses is doulos, which more literally translated means slave. Whereas a servant might expect to be paid for his or her work, a slave works for nothing. A servant can also move from one employer to another. A slave is is in a more permanent relationship of servitude to someone without the possibility of release or leaving. Now, that's clearly not the relationship that James was intending to portray he had with Jesus and God. Certainly not the image of a downtrodden slave with no other choice. We know that we have a choice as to whether or not to believe in and follow Jesus and God. But there is perhaps something in the notion of us having a permanent relationship of serving Jesus. Something that James focuses on heavily in another passage of his letter when he argues that faith without deeds is useless. You see, our reading from James focuses in on the trials and temptations that we suffer as Christians, and how and why we should respond to them. So let's take a look at this in three parts. How we should respond, what we're responding to, and perhaps more importantly, the why we should respond. So firstly, how does James suggest we respond to the trials of many kinds that we face? Should we feel sorry for ourselves? Should we perhaps get angry and scream at people in the world? Should we just try to ignore them, try to move on with our lives? No. What James suggests, in fact, what he tells us, is that we should consider it pure joy when we suffer trials and temptations. In much the same way as Peter wrote that we should greatly rejoice when, suffering, when we are suffering grief of all kinds of trials. Both of them are telling us that when we are undergoing hard and challenging situations and times, we should be praising and rejoicing to God. Now, when I think of times when I have perhaps suffered, I don't think my first thought at the time was to rejoice and praise God for the situation I found myself in. However, this is what we are instructed to do by two of Jesus's closest followers. So if we are being told to do this, is there a good reason why? Of course there is. As with many of these challenges that are posed in our reading of the Bible, the answer as to why we should is never too far away. We find our answer in verse 3 of our reading from James. James explains that we should consider it a joy because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. Trials and temptations are an inevitable part of our lives. It's part of the package, whether you're a Christian or not. At some point in the near or longer term future, we will all find ourselves in tough situations. I often find that when I've been preparing sermons, I discover new understanding from the simplest things. Often it's more to do with the time I spend reading the passages in detail, looking at it from a teacher's point of view, analysing the structure of the text, looking at and more closely scrutinising and questioning word choice, sentence structure, word order. Verse 3 is one of those occasions. Where my horizons were broadened. Look at or listen to the way the words flow in the verse. Know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. When I looked at this and spent time trying to understand it, with the help of some commentaries of others as well on the passage. You notice that our faith is not in question. God knows we're faithful, that we love him. Those of us who know him have made that personal commitment to him. Faith is not produced as a result of trials, but it can be strengthened and deepened because of them. Spurgeon said, faith is is as vital to salvation as the heart is vital to the body. Hence, The javelins of the enemy are mainly aimed at this essential grace. James tells us that the testing of our faith will produce perseverance. Perseverance is an active verb and James tells us to let perseverance finish its work. Trials and temptations are not something that should be easy to get over quickly or to be completely ignored. If they are, then can they really be considered a trial or a temptation? If we are to go through these trials and temptations, then what is the positive outcome to be? We don't actually find the answer for several more verses. James is a writer who has a tendency to wander off on an apparent sidetrack before returning to the point he was making earlier later on in his his writings. The next section of our reading concerns wisdom in verses 5 to 8 and about the level playing field between rich and poor in verses 9 to 11. He then returns to the reward for our perseverance through these trials and temptations in verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. The reward for our perseverance is the crown of life. And not just any life, but a new life. Not just for now, but for eternity. In the presence of the one who loves us. This morning we find ourselves approaching the time of year where we celebrate the birth of that presence on earth, a presence that shows us just how much we are loved. James 1 verse 18 says, he chose to give us birth through the word of the truth. We sang about it in our first carol this morning, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. So perhaps there is good reason for us this morning to greatly rejoice and to consider it pure joy to suffer trials and temptations. For once we have persevered, and as Peter puts it in our first reading, proven the genuineness of our faith, then not just us, but also God will receive a prize. You see, as I mentioned, we're not trying to prove our faith to God. He knows we're faithful, though with human weaknesses, that often leads to us being drawn into temptations and trials. No, we're proving the genuineness of our faith to those who live around us in the world and to the enemy, the devil. You see, when we have proven it and our faith has been purified, refined and strengthened, then we shall receive our crown and God will receive the praise, glory and honour as Jesus Christ is revealed. Yes, it's going to be a challenge in the middle of true trials and temptations to rejoice and find joy in the situation. But surely the reward is worth the effort. After all, God gave up far more some 2,000 years ago when he sent his son down to earth in the form of a baby to be born to a young girl, not in a grand palace among the rich and powerful of the world, but in a stable among the lowliest members of society, for he came for all of us, and just as the angel sang that first Christmas morning, glory to the newborn king.
0: We turn to prayer now and in our prayers we begin by pondering over what god might have been saying to us through james we pray that what we've heard this morning may build up hope within us as we look forward to the complete coming of god's kingdom on earth this Christmas season too we remember God coming in the form of a tiny baby to announce his kingdom here on earth. As the majority of us celebrate Jesus' birthday in our homes we remember and pray today for those who have no home and live on the streets. We also remember the poor, the hungry, the abused all who are lonely or afraid and those who are sick or who mourn and remember especially today the families of barbara warner and rose cooper give us understanding of their needs and show us what we can do to help make us generous in our love and our gifts we pray for peace and goodwill among all people across all races and creeds and we pray for unity within the church and across the world. Today remember all those who have been affected by the continuing Covid pandemic. Remember those who have died, those who have been severely disabled and those who are grieving. We pray for those who have lost their income and their jobs. Or are worried about their financial future. Show us ways to help and be your hands and feet, Lord. Today we thank you for those who are on the front line and our key workers: the NHS, the police, fire crews, and those who work in the care industry. We thank you for van drivers who deliver our parcels, those who work in supermarkets and deliver food, school teachers and staff who continue to guide our children. And we pray, Lord, for all those people who put themselves at potential risk so that others can continue in relative safety. And Lord, we pray for the congregation, our families and loved ones at this time. We remember those who don't know you and we ask that you would reveal yourself to them. Please send us across their paths to speak your word and help us to encourage those around us to live for you. We thank you that your promises are trustworthy and true and that one day, Everyone will come to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And we conclude our prayers by saying the words of the Lord's Prayer together Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sin, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you so much to all of you who continue to give so generously to the work of the church during this time when we're unable to meet as usual. So here's a prayer which gives thanks for our offerings and offers them to God. For the blessings of this and all our days we thank you gracious God accept we pray not just the money we give but also our lives freely offered in gratitude for all you have done for us use them both in this place and wherever you might take us and let's hear a final word of blessing christ who by his incarnation gathered into one things earthly and heavenly fill us with peace and good will and make us partakers of the divine nature And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among us and remain with us and with those we love, now and always. Amen.